You are listening to Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. Expand your mind and keep it love. This is episode 133. This is an interview with MMA fighter Javier Trujillo. And that's J-A-V-I-E-R and his last name is T-R-U-J-I-L-L-O. His fighting name is Honey Badger. So... The reason I'm doing this is the quality of this interview is not the greatest in that we were on Skype, and it kept dropping off uh, Skype. It, so it was not that clean. I, I ended up with a couple of segments that were overlapping. It was crazy. So I tried to piece it together as, as skillfully as I could. So we, I did get some good content out of it. If it's Avi, of course it's going to be good content. So, yeah, that's Javier Trujillo. He's the uh, MMA fighter. This is our second interview. Uh, went very well. The Like I said, the only thing is you're going to hear it kind of jump around slightly. There's going to be three specific uh, jumps. I don't know if you're going to pick them up. I try to do it as smoothly as possible. So that That's pretty much it right now. And he's also, like I said, Javier, support him. Right now he has a just came off of a victory in Thailand where he uh, won a championship. Over there in Thailand, uh, for Metal Dojo, he's representing. Now he has something, in, I believe, in England or in London. He's got a bare knuckle fight coming up, and that's a big league. It's a big fight he has coming up uh, here in December, right? So we're all wishing him the best, wish, wishing him a good victory, you know, and, and safe and everything like that. So yeah, he's a great dude. So I apologize at the end also of this uh, episode, it cuts off. Right at the end, it just drops off. I didn't want to add to it or over-edit it or do anything like that. You know, Javi was, you know, put his message out, a lot of what his thinking process is as far as fighting and life goes. He ended up getting into his, uh, you know, his Nietzsche views and Kierkegaard and such. It's pretty cool. So I like talking with him. The guy goes, he's a smart dude. He's a very smart dude. So, yeah, I want to thank everybody. And, uh, yeah, I'm just going to put uh, this on, the clip on. And then my exit on the other side. And I want to thank you for listening and namaste. Bye. All right, I'll do the intro real quick. This is episode 133 of the Alpha Male Buddhist podcast. I have my distinguished guest on today, Javier Trujillo. He's a a friend of the show and he's a friend of mine. He's an MMA fighter uh, out of right now England. And he's an inspiration. That's why I like to have him on the show. And I just always uh, am grateful when he comes on, you know, and he's a cool dude. So, Javi, welcome to the show, man. All right. Thank you, brother. Thanks for having me back on, man. Appreciate it. Talk to us about the, your victory you just went through, November 30th, right? Yeah, November 30th, uh, fought for First the welterweight uh, title. What's that? First round. What First round finish under a minute with the submission. So, I mean, for me, that's that's highly technical. I think that's even more more gratifying than a knockout because with the knockout, you can always say there's this kind of like a fight, like a, like a puncher's chance, but a submission and why I always prefer grappling is because there's no dispute on who, who won that match, you know? So never never thought of it in that way. Wow. It's true. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's why I've always felt that grappling is a, is a, is an extremely superior art just because it's, it's, you're, you're taking a man's will, you know, by, by, by by the idea that I, I understand the art more and I understand, you know, what it is that like jujitsu and wrestling is about, you know, and to submit the guy with what they call a Von Flu choke um, is a very technical move. I mean, a lot of people would say that it's like a low class move or 
but it's 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 very hard to hit in MMA. And for the fact that I hit it in you know less than a minute, I, I think like kind of displays how is strong that, I am. You know? Is that like a Darth? Um, similar. So it was made by this guy, or it's it was a counter to when guys would start guillotining people. You take them and you ring cross side of the body. What's happening is is that when the guy holds onto your neck, he his shoulder is now applying pressure on his own carotid. And then with my shoulder, I'm applying pressure to the other side of his carotid. So if he doesn't let go of the hold, he's essentially choking himself. Is wow. how the choke works. Yeah. Wow. That's technical shit. Yeah, man. And uh, so, I mean, I was happy because I really didn't. I, I like the guy, the opponent that I was fighting. He's a really nice guy, really well uh, liked in the Muay Thai community. And the fact that we both didn't we could walk away you know, nice and safe and, and all right, right. you know, it was also a good a good feeling, you know? That's one thing I love about the jujitsu aspect of it or the grappling aspect is the fact that you can go at it really 100%, man, pretty much 100%, and it, with the jujitsu side of it, you know what I mean? And express yourself in that way and grow that way and get all the benefit out of it, you know, as opposed to the striking where it's a little bit more, you know, it's a little, there's more that you have to pay, you know what I mean? Yeah, there's a little a little bit more consequences for you to learn in order to get better, you know, and that's sometimes your health. If you if you have a good coach and you have a good team, you know, hopefully you don't take too much damage when you're striking. But that's kind of more of the exception than the norm. So, I mean, that's what I like about jujitsu is that you can go full bore and not hurt each other, you know. Right. That's yeah. yeah. And it's and it's fun, basically. Yeah, yeah. super fun. I mean, it's like uh, it's. It's the art of human chest, you know. It's like a like the the greatest video game. It's the game of death, man. <laughs> <laughs> but in but in real life. Yeah. So while, so so now you I read on Instagram you're getting ready for another fight or a bare knuckle fight or what's happening? Yeah. So um, I saw. So I'm going to be fighting for this organization called uh, the Bare Knuckle Boxing, and it's the number one promotion I think in the world. Actually, I think they pay the highest purses. They're uh, trying to build a roster full of guys and, and try and keep them. And um, they had a last-minute pullout, or I guess, well, it's about five weeks out, but they had a pullout against their middleweight champion, this guy named Rob Boardman. Uh, so the promoter was looking online for guys that was there. Fortunately, I already came back to England, and I, I just basically put my hand up and said, hey, I'm here, man. If you need somebody, you know, I just won the championship and just did some – uh, social media post trying to campaign for it got a lot of traction and uh the promoter noticed and so he said well do you want to take this fight and i said absolutely you know now javi can i ask you is for myself and for the listeners bare knuckle is different because if you strike in the wrong position like with the small part of your hand your pinky your knuckle or whatever you can really break your hand right yes exactly you so, know so uh, explain that to us yeah, because you're not wearing gloves. So, I mean, in the last like few weeks, I mean, I, I, I've 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 been afar looking at bare knuckle boxing and, and very being very interested in it because I kind of when I watched when I watched my fir the first fight versus Artem Lobov and this guy named Chris Knight, uh, both former UFC fighters, when they decided when they had a bare knuckle boxing fight, um, and I'd watched that, I had got the same feeling from when I first started watching UFC. You know, it just seems very raw, very gritty. Right. And um, just something right. about it kind of like rose, like rose up in my like that, that adrenaline feeling in the back of my, my you know, the back of my mind, you know. And uh, 
what the different the, the difference is is actually it's like the first style of prize fighting that most people most like in history everybody has fought you know and um you can't wind up on punches and you can't throw as hard as you do in like let's say the mma or boxing or kickboxing or muay thai because your hands aren't wrapped you know they're not they're not taping over the knuckles so yeah you have to be very uh, you have to pick your shots a little bit better you have to be a little more uh i, w- I would say a little more strategic in the, in the way you try and plan setups and combinations that you just can't do in in a, a normal boxing setting or a normal kickboxing or Muay Thai setting, just because the gloves definitely do change the combinations and the style and, and the aggressiveness that you have to put. But um, to me, the fascination of it is just that it's, I'm kind of inserted, like I've said the last time, I'm in search for the realest thing out there, you know? Right. And if we, and if we kind of take away the gloves and you take away all this and that, it's like how, how would it really be, you know, and that's what I'm always in search for. I mean, granted, it's in the the way of sport, but trying to get as close to if it's just me and a man on a street, what would happen? And that's where I want to test my mettle, you know. That's the one thing about the MMA that, I, that I've always said, whether it's boxing or whatever, but it's the purest sport in the sense of there's no excuses. You know what I mean? It's like you put in your 100%. And and then the result is there. You know what I mean? Whether you win or lose or whatever the case may be. And it's like you, you don't get that really in any other sport. Not to the same degree. It's very individual driven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, and um, there's just so many ways to win in MMA. But but like I said, like the thing about this, the the, the bare knuckle boxing is just that like it feel it resonates with something very old, you know, that, that I mean, that's, that's how we've all, that's how all the prize fighters have been fighting for you for years back in the 1900s, going Jack, way back. Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson. Jack, Jack, exactly. Jack Johnson. You know, I've just been reading up about this guy named uh, Brian Mendoza who fought in the 1700s. I was actually like kind of mimicking his stance all week. Um, just because it made a lot more sense, a very more squared stance. So you have equal power in both hands. And that way, you know, when you stand like that, you can't wind up on a punch like you would in a traditional boxing stance. Thus, you can not break your hand. So like for me, what's kind of fun and particularly being a mixed martial artist is that, yeah, this is this is the goal as a mixed martial artist. You should be able and to compete in every style of combat form. You know, having 13 years of experience in boxing, Muay Thai, kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, and, and wrestling, I shouldn't be afraid to get, step into anybody else's arena, you know? And I think this is just another test of it. Yeah, I mean, um, it's an ex- – well, it's striking, basically. It's striking. Yeah, you sound quick. Yeah, you're very good. So you were explaining about the whole um, – the whole – the guy called you, you know, what is the date for this bare knuckles? Uh, it's going to be January 25th, so about five weeks out from now. The uh, challenge them for the middleweight title as well. So oh, I win, I'm thinking of the the organization in that as well, you know, man. So I mean, it's it's. I mean, I'm already probably counted as the underdog in this fight, but if I win, I win big. If not, then you know, I I, I got my in in the bare knuckle boxing promotion. I've li- wait. I've lived my life that way. What you just said, like you know, like we, like Puerto Ricans say. I don't know if you heard the term before. Metamano. Put your, get your hands in. But yeah. for us, it's a very weighted statement. You know, phrase. Metamano. Your attitude is is great. It's like you. I'm getting in. Fuck it. It's gonna. O lo rompo o lo arreglo. 
You heard that one before. Either I break it or I fix it. But you're just jumping in. And and you got to love that shit, man, you know? And and it's true. I mean, if you win and you do great, it's like, yo, I got it. If not, hey, this is part of your path to whatever that you're doing. Like you said, being the most complete and uh, thorough, you know, uh, warrior that you can be, you know? Yeah, man. I mean, I mean, that's why I wanted to take on and not just saying that I'm a professional mixed martial artist. I want to say that I'm a prize fighter. I'm willing to compete in in any style, any form. You know, if the if the if the prize is right, if it, whether it be money or a title or just, you know, a recognition that, hey, man, this Javier Trujillo guy, he's a hard motherfucker and he's willing to do things that no one's willing to do. And I've been like that my entire life, you know, so. Nope. Where can where can the listeners watch the uh, your last fight? Is that going to be a and the new one coming up? Where can they can where can we see you work at? So the the new the last fight that I had, I had fought on, um, you can find that available on their Facebook page at Full Metal Dojo right now. You'll find the live stream link, and then they're still editing and cutting down all of it until to make it into fights. So that hasn't uploaded quite yet. But if you want to see the whole show from uh, beginning to end. You just click on their Full Metal Dojo link on their Facebook page. And if you click like, they'll give you updates every time that they're going to be having new fights. I believe in March, they're talking about getting me on that card as well, but it's going to be uh, just Muay Thai, but in MMA gloves. Interesting. Yeah. Elbows and knees allowed? Elbows, knees, and allowed, just like Muay Thai, but it's in a cage and it's in with uh, MMA gloves on. That sounds real interesting. Yeah, man. I mean, it's it's a cool organization, man. I, I really I think they're very forward thinking. I'm uh, I'm excited and I'm happy that I'm like the face of their organization as like their biggest star. But um, I think what they're trying to do and and how they they make fights and how how creative they get with the promotion itself, I think it's a uh, it's awesome, man. I'm just happy to be a part of it. You know, real life Kumite. I, I dug. I yeah. What is that Kumite? What I've heard that before. Um, you remember the movie Bloodsport with Jean Claude Van Damme? Okay, I, I saw the lo- yeah. I never, I wasn't a huge Van Damme guy, but I do remember Bloodsport. Yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, they're on this thing. They got this '70s vibe on the advertising and the whole. I was kind of checking the Starsky and Hutch kind of on the <laughs> on the banners. You know, it was kind of cool. And I see you up in there. You know, it's kind of cool. Yeah, man. I mean, the guy um, uh, John Nett, the the head of, owner of the uh, of the organization, he he went to Thailand, was fighting as well in Muay Thai, and then slowly worked his way up to becoming a promoter of the uh, underground MMA league and bringing MMA to Thailand, which is incredibly hard because you know uh, the Muay Thai is is deeply embedded in the culture, and anything that's an outside threat to it usually gets shut down. And you you know from making deals and doing this and that, he finally got it to become legal in Thailand. Wow. And how, how was he able to do, I'm sure in Thailand, I'm sure you got to pay, you know, pay the right people, you know, yeah. I know what operates Some, over there. Arms or know the right people in order to get something like that done. Otherwise there's no way that a show like that would ever happen. Percentages and stuff like that. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So now tell us about, like I said, so tell us about how they can watch the new, uh, your new fight coming up, which is also a championship fight, title fight. Tell us about that, how we could watch that or how that's going down. On Fight TV, um, I think I think it's by pay-per-view. And, um, yeah, you guys can watch it there on live stream or I believe you can get it on cable television as well. 
and uh, that'll be January 25th. We'll be fighting this guy named Rob Borman. I believe he's a like a like a pikey or whatever they call him, like these kind of wandering typeies. <laughs> oh, the gypsies. Yeah, yeah, I think he's one of those tough dudes. Yeah, he is a tough dude. Um, But, hey, man, I mean, that's the thing is I I feel – just looking at his fights, he fought a lot of guys that are purest boxers, you know. And they even said for this organization that their top guys are all MMA guys. And I think it's just we're all used to fighting with the small gloves. So, for me, it's not not that much different than MMA. The only thing I – I'm kind of excited about as I finally get to let my hands loose because I'm always constantly worried about the takedown and this guy ain't going to take me down. So it's like, you know, I can finally get creative with my hands, you know? Interesting. Yeah. Because with the MMA, it's the striking in MMA is obviously different because of the takedown. Yeah. Yeah. It's different because of the takedown It's different because of the gloves. Like, um, a big hole that I saw right away with a lot of MMA guys when they try and uh, just block with both hands like this is that the small gloves get through. You don't have that big wall of protection like you do with 14-ounce gloves or 12-ounce gloves. So it completely right. changes the way you block. It completely changes the way you set up stuff, how you throw punches because you have a lot – you have access to this person at a bunch of weird angles that you wouldn't normally have if you were wearing normal boxing gloves, you know? Cool, cool. So um – so I remember, you know, the I guess it was the day after your fight. I went on your Instagram and there were some pictures of you with your, with your samurai sword that you won, and everything like that. Tell us a little bit about that experience, about you know the the beginning of the fight, your, your opponent, and that whole process, your whole mental process. Yeah, man. I mean, like I was just thinking about when you were asking me the last time, the one the when we just had that chat about uh before the one that didn't we didn't record and and I, and I started thinking about as I was going through my motions you know going through in the basement is like this is this is my art man this is this is like what I do you know like I, I treat the the day of the fight like I would a, a Tuesday afternoon you know a Tuesday afternoon at sparring you know I was just in the basement warming up you know going through my routines and then as the as the fight starts to get closer and closer you know you hear the next guy go up, you hear the crowd all screaming, you hear the the music going loud, and we're in the bottom of this basement. And how they FMD has it set up, it's raw, man. Like I said, it's the realest thing I had ever been a part of. The guy that I'm fighting against is a guy named Daniel Kerr. 135 Muay Thai fights, has fought the best of the best in the world. Wants wow. to take a crack at MMA again. And he's over there kicking pads, looking fluid, moving nice. I'm over in my corner just doing my, th- my thing, working with my boys. And then... Um, Every fight, with the exception of one, all all ended within like the first or second round. So the fight, the the night was going quick, and I just remember I made that last like calm movement. You know, I, I go through my head. Um, you know, every, what's mostly important, and I think it's not just for fighting, but it's just for life. Is just your your self talk. The and I mean by self talk is just that mental that mental talk you're constantly going in your head, you know, and then how you view yourself and how you, how you view everything. And I always say the same thing. It's just that I'm the greatest fighter in the world. Nobody can beat me. You know, I work harder than anybody in this world. There's nothing I got. I got this, you know, and as long as I go out and do what I do, I'm going to come out victorious. And I just constantly keep saying that in the back of my head. Of course, you'll feel feel the negative chatter want to build up. You just keep repeating it to yourself. And every time I feel like the negative chatter builds up in my head, I just, Remember, motion releases tension. So I just go warm up with one of my buddies, hit some pads again, and constantly just reinforcing that positive statement in my mind. 
And so once they call us up, they call him up first. And then you walk up these like Benji stairs, man. It's like a dark little basement. And they call him up and they go up. And then I'm waiting for my entrance. And, um, you know, this, Bangkok's my town, dude. I mean, I, I started there, you know, three years. And now I built up a, a big community and a big following there. And as I was waiting, I just said one last prayer, you know, just like, um, you know, just to watch over me, watch over my opponent. And, you know, let me, let me be, be, be victorious, you know. And once that hit, they told me to go outside and uh make my walk out and just going through everything dude it's just like in my head i just say the last thing is there's nowhere in the world i'd rather be you know than doing this like for i i feel like like as men in general you know we're growing from the moment we're it's like that that cat stevens song you know it's like the moment we're we're we can talk we're ordered to listen you know we're ordered to to sit down in a chair ordered to just to work we're ordered to do this we're ordered to do that and for once in my life once that cage closes i'm free to express myself truly you know i'm free to to be what i am and 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 you know un, unapologetic and there's nowhere else in the world i can do that and there's nowhere else i'd rather be so for a lot of guys they dread that moment but it's like why man is this is what you work for it's you're i get a moment in life that any other man would wish they could do. Any man wish they could be in the arena, but they can't because they're afraid. You know, you know? there's like probably 10%, maybe less, maybe even 5% of the population or guys like you that they, they just enjoy fighting. You know, because I put a lot of thought to it, but you guys literally in, get enjoyment out of I don't enjoy fighting. You know, I, I like martial arts and training in that shit or whatever but and knowing i can defend myself but you guys literally and and not only enjoy fighting but you like to test yourself against the next guy see how good if you, you know what i mean and that's i think that's an, an inherent like you know i don't think there's any way you can become a uh, an mma fighter or anything like that or at a high level and not really enjoy combat sport just enjoy it for the sake of the combat yeah, man. Of course, I think I think you gotta kind of enjoy getting hit, and you gotta enjoy get, taking hits. You know, you gotta you kind of gotta like the the pain a little bit. But uh, you know, and I, I mean that's why like I can when I look at like a like a fighting pit bull, or I look at like one of those fighting roosters, I get it. You know, I get the essence of that that being. It's like well, you're kind of genetically predispositioned to do this thing. You know, and so it's like. Um, yeah, I just feel at home, man. That's that's my home, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's well, you know. It's um, like I said, for a while. I'll give you an example: the Nate Diaz versus um Jorge Masvidal, the last yeah. one. I, I, my opinion, it, it was a little bit on the brutal side, you know, when when he got split up and when they got split open and everything like that. And and they're both game and they're both thrown down. But like, I, I think that should have been stopped. I don't know, in my own opinion, immediately when, when it's to that level, because at that point you're really putting somebody's health at risk and their livelihood and the whole nine. You probably think differently. But, and, and then the other thing, I think when the guy's on the floor, I don't think you should be able to hit him if his head, if the back of his head is on the mat because you, there's no, you know what I mean? He's like really taking a full shot. And again, you probably feel, you know, full, soccer kicks should be allowed. But that's my, that's my opinion. You know what I mean? <laughs> what are you, what's your view on some of the, some of the uh, like the soccer kick, 
Well, in, in FMD, the, the soccer kicks are allowed. Um, you know, I, like I said, I think the less rules, the better. I mean, the more rules that you add to any sport, the more genetically predispositioned somebody will be better off. But then I think something like MMA, where it's just so dynamic, where there are a million patterns that you could use to win, it's no longer about like a genetic. And what I mean by that is like, okay, if you're a basketball player, it helps out if you're six foot, six foot right. seven. I'm not saying that it's stand all be all. Of course, there's always exceptions to the norm, but for majority of them, you have to be, or you have to be a certain weight, or you have to be a certain, you know, length or lung capacity, or, or like, you know, uh, right. have a certain size of hands, like Michael Phelps for swimming. But what does with, he have like? He has some like. I think he's genetically predisposed to be a really good swimmer the way he's set up. Exactly. You know, and that's what I'm saying with a lot of different sports as we're fighting. You can be any type of body type. You can, you can, there's not a certain look to a fighter. Every fighter is different. Mike Tyson is completely different than Muhammad Ali. Nate Diaz is completely different than Henry Cejudo. You know, everybody comes in all shapes and sizes and forms. And there's so many different ways that that an individual in a martial arts or a combat sport can express themselves. And, and for me, that's what I kind of find it because it's no longer about your physicality or genetics. It's about how smart and clever you are, you know, and that's what I, I love about um, modern day MMA is that there's no more hidden techniques. There's no more, there's no, there's nothing, it's all out there, you know. Um, a friend of mine, he like, he explained it, he's like, well, we're back in the samurai era, you know. We're just right. like show, you know, it's not about the technique. It's about the strategy and the cleverness of the fighter, the combat athlete. And that's yeah, what I love. Yeah, I can see you're really into the uh, into the thinking side of it and the philosophical side of it. Um, because what the first thing you text, texted or wrote me on Instagram was Book of Five Rings, bro. I'm like, yes. <laughs> your, your mindset, you know, and as you said, too, you're, you're the fifth ring, which is the void, you know. Which is like my shit, you know, the void, because that's that's where everything is at, man. That's that's like yeah, it's funny, you know. Um, I thought about you when I was a uh, I, I, after the fight the next weekend. I had my friend who was a yoga instructor, and he very good friend of him. But he came up with this idea with another buddy of ours called Digital Detox, where for a weekend you have to give your your phone and you put it in a bag, and you're just gonna have to interact with people like you would normally. And it was really interesting because it was also done at this retreat in a town called Rayong, which is about an hour and a half outside Bangkok. This guy who runs the retreat has the the largest libra- library of books in all of Asia. <laughs> I think wow. there's something like the, oh, Southeast Asia, at least. Wow. Old school books, new school books, all sorts of stuff. The guy's also a martial artist himself. But he, in my room, and they're in every guest room, and in my room, they, they, he had the Tao uh, teaching. And, uh, and the, as I was flipping through the book, that, that quote that you told me came up. <laughs> oh, uh, 30 spokes connect at one hub. What is not there? there are you, 11. That was number 11. Yeah, yeah. Great. Yeah, uh, that was the first thing that came up, man. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, man. But, yeah, that's, that's the void. You know, that's, the, that's that fifth ring. And that's, like I said, the, the, the training and everything – like I said, the fight is more physical the farther the way you are. The closer you get to it, it becomes all mental. And then that final, that once the cage closes or once you hop into that ring, then it's the void. 
it's there's no more thinking there's no more nothing it's just expressing whether you win or lose that's it you know like in a bhagavad gita it's like well you're not entitled to the fruits of your labor you're only entitled to your labor you know and that's that's what it is once you enter in there it, it's going to be what it's going to be the gods are going to fare in your advantage or not but all that's mine is all the work all the process that's all that's all i can say is mine whether i get a belt whether i get my hand raised that's not that's right it doesn't matter see i that i totally agree with because i see a lot of people they get hung up on you see it on instagram you know forget the billions i want trillions you know the bigger car and to me you're getting it all wrong in the sense of it's the experience man it's being here and it's you know, just rolling in the mud or doing whatever, you know, getting in a cage or whatever your passion is, is doing that. And a lot of people get hung up in that. Let's say they might do some MMA and they lose their first fight or they lose their first three fights. And it's like, you know, if you lose in 10 in a row, that's a different story. But, I mean, they, they give up too easily, man. And I think one of the main things that you're going to get from any discipline that you do is just participating in it getting involved with it, meeting that resistance, meeting that challenge, you know, that whole Pressfield thing. I know we were talking about Pressfield. You like him a lot. You read some really interesting books, man. Oh, yeah. Thank you, man. <laughs> you do, because you're bringing up Joseph Campbell and you're bringing up, you know, have you been getting into the Nietzsche a little bit lately? Actually, you know what? I, I, I kind of um, went back to that this last month, man, um, that and Kierkegaard. I've been really getting back into there's actually a it's a it's not a book but it's um a talk series it's a lecture series on existentialism it's called um gosh dang it what is it called now it's it'll come to me in a second yeah whenever but, you try to remember some shit it always goes away whenever you try to remember it <laughs> yeah of course of course but you were saying Kierkegaard Kierkegaard yeah Kierkegaard and I mean it, it, because the concept of like why like I kind of started drawing myself back to like kind of reading like the Bible and a lot, a lot of like these older religious books and why he decided to kind of um, go back to, to Christianity himself because like I think with like existentialism and nihilism like that's what like Nietzsche was saying was like okay now that science is kind of taking the forefront of what God used to be for us now we're going to be entering into a void of basically a nihilism where, you know, w w nobody will feel like they have a, a point in life. And right, so right. what Nietzsche was trying right. to do with the overmatch and this and that is like, okay, well, if all the barriers of our culture are being torn down, then that means as the individual, we have to build our own stakes of morality. We have to build our own identity and we have to find our own purpose in life. But unfortunately, I think, I think like for a majority of people, that's extremely difficult. And what happens is because that task is so high. I mean, that's why he called them the Ubermitch, because you have to be a superhuman right. to attack this task. You know, if, and for most people, what happens is, is that they delve into nihilism. They, they think, well, if there is no meaning to life and there is no point and nobody belongs here on purpose and, and no, you know, I mean, you ever, you ever watch this, this cartoon called Rick and Morty? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, that's a, yeah, man. And I mean, there's one quote. I mean, it's a nihilist quote. It's like nobody, nobody exists here on purpose. Nobody belongs everywhere. And everyone's going to die. Now let's go watch TV. Hold on. I, we have a bad connection. Hold. Can you see me? Hold on. Yeah, I can see you. Okay. You're, just kind of, you're frozen. Yeah, I got to just find the file because it creates a file. You, you mess with Skype or not really? 
Not really, no. Once you hit stop, it said stop recording. I just did it now. I put recording. You yeah. should see the red dot. I can see now. Yeah, so you were talking about Kierkegaard and how nihilism and how people go into a dark path because of that mindset in the way of thinking. Um, yeah. I find it to be really interesting because my feeling also is that you need to learn all of these disciplines as much as possible and you not use the one that's appropriate for the given situation, but you need to know a little bit about all of that stuff. But uh, yeah, get t tell us about, you know, you're, you're, you were getting into a Nietzsche and Kierkegaard. I interrupted. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like that's what I was saying is that like that's what nihilism is. And I think when I think honestly, that's why like people who aren't that observant or just kind of, you know, grow up and they're, they're brought up in whatever religion or they're brought up in whatever town and they just kind of do their thing. You know, they they tend to be a little bit more happy because they're not conscious about all these different things. And I think for for like just people as a, as a majority, I think that's why there's a lot of depression in this and that because the postmodernist era, which is just like the culture zeitgeist, is all kind of going through this very nihilistic point of view. So it's like that's why everybody wants to create their own gender. Or, I mean, there's people that want to be aliens now. You know, there's you right know, because they're trying to express that. But then it's just like for me, um, I just never wanted to be in what Nietzsche called or or Kierkegaard called bad faith which is I just don't want to come to my existence and say when somebody says, well, why do you believe in God or why do you believe in this? And just say, I don't know. It's just the way I was brought up or it was always that way. I want to have an explanation. I want to have a reason. And that way, if I do choose to follow something or I do choose to believe in something, it's because I chose it for my, my own individual, uh, basically my, my own individual beliefs. And I carry that through the void of the universe, whether it is indifferent to me or not. You know? People, you know, people don't have any clue, really. I think a lot of people don't have a clue on the weight of that word choice. I mean, it's a hell of a word, man. You know, the choices that you make in life, what you choose to do, what you choose not to do, you know what I mean? And uh, that's why it's so important, really, to, to, to read and to... You know, stimulate yourself with different types of thinking and different types of thought patterns and how other people did with, like, the, the Japanese way of thinking. Like, I don't know, before we were talking about the Book of Five Rings, but there was the other book, the, the Hagukura. I was talking about the movie Ghost Dog. Yeah. You really need to check out Ghost Dog. I'm going to try to find the link and send it to you. I don't think I'm going to watch it after I get out with you tonight. Dude. I'm going to go find it. The, yeah, no, but I'm just saying, though, just keep it in your head because I'm sure you'll come across a ghost dog. But um, the point is, like, he was into the whole Bushido, into the whole samurai culture, applied it. He was working for some mafioso dude, you know, in the 70s or whatever. This is the movie. It's not a true life movie, but it was a, a novel, Ghost Dog. But that discipline with just, um, when you, so when you have that in your disposal, that Eastern way of thinking, or maybe that Nietzsche way of thinking, or the, the Aristotle kind of point of view, it's so important to be able to have these different type of things. I think you appreciate life a lot in a, a much deeper level when you have that kind of framework to, to, to view things from. You know what I mean? Like I notice people that are philosophically inclined, when they break it down to you, they kind of bring you through the levels of their whole thought process so that you have a real clear understanding of where they're coming from. Kind of like what you're doing just now, you were talking about Kierkegaard and, and Nietzsche. 
you know, I think it's important to be able to do that and explain yourself why you believe in certain types of things and why you make the choices that you make. It's so, so important. That's why I, li- I really like having you on the show because you kind of cut to the chase on a lot of shit. You get right to it. So, yeah, yeah. man, what other, things, what other things stimulate, what other readings stimulate you? Um, I mean, just for the fact that's what I've been getting on as of lately, just with like the Kierkegaard and all them, and and but um, also during this fight camp, I, I listened to this book again. It, it's one for some reason about two weeks before this last fight, I, I, I call it the fear, you know, um, a real, real, real big fear, and, and it usually hits me at night. So I remember that it was probably like. My, 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 my a week and a half since I came back to Thailand training with my boys at Team Quest, you know, and I felt good, felt, you know, I was a little bit tired, jet lagged. I didn't have the best sparring day that day. And I just felt like I, nothing was kind of going my way. And, and I remember I laid down that night and then all of a sudden the fear, all the doubt came in, all of the, the voices in your head that are saying, you know, you're going to lose, you know, what if you lose in front of everybody? What if this happens? You know, you're going to go back home. You're going to go back home as a failure. You're going to go back, you know, all these, the negative, the, the just the negative voice was just kind of going in my head and it kept me up. And not only just uh, the ego, but then the body started getting afraid. It's like, well, what if you get kicked? What if you, you know, what if you get head kicked? You know, the, the guy's most dangerous weapon was he, he's really good at throwing wheel kicks and ax kicks and, all these really unorthodox, like Taekwondo, traditional martial arts style, which are really deadly. If I stay in that range, you know, and he hits me, that's a that's a hard that's a hard kick, you know, kick to the body or kick to the head. You're gonna take, and just you know, you could possibly die. All those things come into my head, you know, and uh, um, I couldn't sleep. You know, I was up all night, and I remember no, the, the, the night before the fight. And, What's that? The night before the fight? I'm sorry, the night before the fight this was? Uh, this is about this is about two weeks out. Okay, I'm sorry, two, I'm sorry, two weeks out, okay. Yeah, 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 it was about two weeks out before the fight. And I just got extremely nervous, man. Like, uh, and like you said, you know, you said, like, what, what books you read? I, books to me, somebody explained, it's like having a room full of people as advisors, you know? If right. I have Nietzsche in the room, if I have Aristotle, if I have... Um, Seneca, if I have Lao Tzu, if I have, you know, um, Marcus Aurelius, yeah. Yeah, Marcus Aurelius, uh, Miyamoto Musashi. I have yep, all these yep. in my the room with me at all times. All I have to do is just grab a book. All I have to do is listen to an audio tape and, the, and I can ask these guys for advice because I feel when you're up like that and anxiety happens, is that you're trying to address a situation in your life or just a situation in your problem that needs immediate address. And if you can't be sleeping, you got to do something to alleviate that, you know. And um, one book that I've listened to since since I was 19 years old, so what was that, 2009, is called The Way of Fight by Georges St. Pierre. And you don't even have to be a martial artist. I just think the way that this guy thinks in that book, and he, he, I, he basically embodies what I think it means to be a fighter, to be a martial artist. He has the balance of both the East and the West. He's very scientific in the way he thinks. And um, I found a lot of, uh, of comfort in his words, you know, in how to progress. And, and just, I mean, there's just so many things in that book that I, I, that I could just draw upon that, that I find very beneficial for anybody in life. That's one book. I, I saw something. 
What's up? Sorry, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. I saw <clears throat> with GSP specifically on the, one of them uh, video things on the UFC where he was having a panic attack or something like that, like prior to a fight. And I think he started seeing a fight psychologist. So kind of yeah. associated to what you're saying. And it turned him, and that was in the very beginning of his career. And yeah. He, yeah, he got into the fight psychology. Like he said, he would get these moments of fear prior to a fight, just like he was, he was stating. It's interesting. So did you realize that about him and that's that he wrote the book for that reason? Or how did that happen? That's, just people. Growing up, like, I mean, as a fan, he was one of my favorite. I mean, we, we both fight in the same uh, class. I mean, I always knew I was going to be a welterweight fighter. And um, so anybody that was in that weight class, I obviously admired. And I really took a shining to GSP just because I thought, man, this guy's the perfect athlete. Look at him. He's, he can do takedowns. He can throw jabs very nicely. He throws all sorts of weird Kyokushin karate kicks. Like this guy is the, is the real deal. And when I had found out in his book how – because I felt like going into fights or when I was going in, into wrestling competitions, I was terrified. I was constantly terrified, and I thought maybe there's something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not made to fight. Maybe I'm not made to do these things. If, why, if I'm so scared, look at all these these dudes in the UFC or wherever. They don't look scared. They don't look like this. Am, am I in the wrong sport? And coming to find out, the greatest guy of all time, the dude that I wanted to idolize, he's like, I'm terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. Wow. wow. You know? And I found comfort in that knowing that the greatest fighter, considered probably the greatest fighter in mixed martial arts history, is absolutely terrified, you know? And what does he do to get over those fears? And he said that he trained. He, the, the, most fights are won in the dojo. They're never won in the ring. That was the first thing I had learned. You know, that he tested his medal fighting everybody in Canada, fighting all the best of the best guys in, in, the, in the dojo, and once he got over that, he got to a certain – the coach even explained it in the book. He's like, I wanted George to be around real professional fighters as he was coming up. I wanted him to feel the, the energy, the aura that these guys gave, a sense of danger, a sense of – once you become a fighter, you have this presence of power around you. And I wanted him to feel that. And as he started to fight with these guys and they slowly started to lose that aura – he started to break down his fear and he started to see it in himself. Yeah, GSP is, is a tremendous man, mentally, physically, spiritually. You know, even when he would come out to fight, he had the whole, um, you know, the whole Japanese with the that wrap around the head and the whole, you know, the whole, I don't know what style karate that is, but when GSP would come in, he had that whole, you know, the headband with the Japanese yeah, writing yeah. Yeah, he, he takes it real seriously, man. GSP, you know, he's like he I said, a, he's not a he's not a fighter and he's not an athlete. Like a lot of people say, like they build him up as the greatest athlete of all time. If you were to put him on a, a track, he'd be average. You put him on weightlifting, he's an average athlete. There's nothing really special about him. Of course, they have to build all that stuff up because you know it's promotional work. You have to. But if you really look at him and you look at his story, he was bullied as a kid. He was sickly as a kid. You know, he wanted to do this thing. He felt inspired. And when he talks about the inspiration that he felt, it's the same feeling that I get or the same feeling anybody who gravitates towards whatever it is that they're, they're inspired to feel. And he, regardless of the fear, he kept coming and showing up every day. And as he got better at his skills, then he started taking fights. 
And as he started building that, you know, he slowly, slowly started to become what, what he is now, which is George St. Pierre. You know? And, and it's, a, it is a beautiful journey of, of, of going through his mind and going through his process. And I mean, just his day to day, you know, he says the greatest guy's lives are ruled by routine and mundane routine. You think it'd be a boring day. You know, he explains it up. I wake up in the morning. Uh, the first thing I do is I ask where do I got to go and who do I got to meet? Once I got that, I grab my bag that's right next to the door. Because if I don't have to pack my bag the, the day before, I'm, I'm wasting mental uh, willpower doing that. Every time you like packing your bag in the morning, you're met, wasting mental willpower. But if it's already done and I grab it next to the door, I still got willpower to go to the gym. I got my focus towards it. I get to the gym. I wrap my hands, you know. Once I get that, I start going through the motion. Whether that day it's we're training wrestling, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, boxing, strength and conditioning, sprinting. But then I start out going through the motion slow, and then we build up speed. And then I do that for an hour and a half. I go eat. Then I come back, take a nap, go back out, and train again. Once I get home, throw all my clothes in the wash, hang my stuff to dry, and I repeat the process. And it doesn't sound sexy. It's not the greatest life, but that's the life of a fighter. That's the life of any great artist. It's mostly life of a mundane routine and to be a master of that. So now the fact that you're training for just basically for the boxing, you kind of slow down on the jujitsu and the pad work and all that stuff like that. Or how does, and the kicking does, how does that work as far as your training goes right now? So for me, knowing that it's just going to be boxing, um, I'm, I'm switching it more over to a boxing routine. Like this last week, once I knew I got the fight, I, like the other day, I was researching for three hours, watching every bare-knuckle boxing fight that I possibly could, watching how the guys were training for it, the different techniques, and just trying to um, create a plan and a schedule. And then from there, I planned out, the, okay, I got five weeks. I need to do this, this, and this, and this every week. And this, this, and this. And then as I get closer until the day of the fight that I got circled in a big red thing on a calendar saying that this this is the moment, you know. So for me, I'm going to have one day just – jiu-jitsu is fun for me. So I need one day to still kind of train and to kind of take my mind off of just boxing every day. But for the most of the – it's going to be boxing, man. Strength and conditioning, doing pad work, doing shadow boxing, doing footwork. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm excited because I know this process, whether I win or lose, but I plan on winning. I always plan on winning. I never have that, that feeling that I'm going to lose. But all this training can just help me to be, become a better fighter. My, I know my, my striking is significantly going to get better for MMA. It's significantly going to get better for possibly taking an MMA or a Muay Thai fight or possibly taking a boxing fight in the future. Or I'm even in talks with talking about doing Lethway. So, I mean, that will definitely help me in Lethway. What is that Lethway? Oh, man, you don't know what Lethway is? No, no, I never heard of it. He's kickboxing. But it's the same thing. There's no no wraps on your hands. And they allow – it's just the same rules as Muay Thai. You can kick, you can knee, you can elbow, but you can also headbutt and slam. (laughs) Where's that from? Where is that from? What country? So it's from Burma or Myanmar. So it's uh, right next to Thailand, like kind of closer to Nepal and India. Lethway, it's called? Yeah, Lethway. I think it's L-E-I-T-H-W-A-I. 
Yeah, I never, I never heard of it. Wow, that's crazy oh, stuff. Yeah, check it out. It's, it's pretty. It's, 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 it's extreme. And if you get knocked out, you're given two minutes to recover. Damn. And if you continue, you can. It's, it's a pretty nutty sport, but they're starting to pay big money for it. But um, I feel like if I, I want to see how well I fare in this bare knuckle boxing, and if I do well in that, it's like, well, I can definitely. Welcome to the Alpha Male Buddhist from Brooklyn podcast. I'm your host, Miguel. I like to cover topics from ancient history, great leaders and generals from the past, and I also like to talk about self-realization, truth, critical thinking, and strategic spirituality. Outside the box, nonconformist. I'm here to shatter the myths of the mainstream media and the beta sheeple narrative. My email address is alphamalebuddhist at gmail.com. My website is alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com. My Instagram is alphamalebuddhist. And check out my YouTube channel, Alpha Male Buddhist, and that's on YouTube. It is the podcast accompanied with video clips that integrate exactly with the podcast so it's motivational and inspirational i also have promotional t-shirts if you go to my website alphamalebuddhist.podbean.com you can see the promotional t-shirts there reach out to me also if you have any show notes or any suggestions that you would like to hear on the podcast just reach out and see if i can get that done i've been getting some really Great emails and feedback from my listeners, which is great. So I want to thank you for listening and namaste.